Just a quick word of warning before we get going that the following podcast will almost certainly contain spoilers and may also contain strong language and conversations of an adult nature. Hello and welcome to episode 71 of Strong Language and Violent Scenes, the podcast giving a second chance to films that might not deserve them. I'm Mitch Bain, I'm a lapsed horror writer and an occasional doer of musical things. And I'm Andy Stewart, Valkenvania PD. <laughs> and joining us tonight, they are <laughs> the writers and directors of both Deadheads well and the recent Fright Fest selection, The Wretched, it is Brett and Drew Pierce. Guys, hello. Hey, hey, how's, how's it going, guys? Very well, thank you. Thanks for taking the time to do this with us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Oh, no, thank you guys for tolerating watching Nothing But Trouble. Again. Yeah, <laughs> we can get into that. Um, so, yeah, Nothing But Trouble from 1991 is your pick. Uh, i got to say, right, And so, um, Brett, it was you and me that kind of set this up. And yeah. uh, when you said Nothing But Trouble, I was messaging you and Andy at the same time. And um, when you said when you suggested it, I was like, "Yeah, just uh, let me run it by Andy." And I sent it to him, and literally seconds later, I got a reply being like, "Excellent choice." <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so why this one? I mean, honestly, I think it goes back to like when I was a kid. It's just something that I watched so many times, you know, and just kind of was addicted to. But I think it kind of came from a love of movies, kind of like. The Adams Family films and Clue. I, I just like anything where a group of people are kind of trapped in a house or a weird place, or there's kind of like you know, kind of a horror comedy vibe. So it just kind of it always stuck with me as, as like a kid. It was something I continually like both through, and I would make our grandmother re-rent at the video store over and over. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, and it's just constantly entertaining. <laughs> it's so silly and over the top, but. Yeah, it never ceases to entertain. Yeah, it's it's just it's the weirdest movie. I, I it's like literally shouldn't be a movie because there's nothing. Like if I pitched that idea to somebody now, they would just be like, "There's there's nothing, there's nothing I like about this." But <laughs> <laughs> but it's uh, but I love it. It's just it, it's absolutely one hundred percent just weird batshit crazy. So it, I think yeah, you feel like more that. and more like you're on drugs as you watch that movie. Yeah. It starts pretty. <laughs> kind of bland and boring out of that but it slowly builds and it's just you start to feel a little like weird and off yeah <laughs> i think in a world where the greasy strangler exists you might be able to find someone that will let you do this yeah 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 well it's just it's there, there's something like uh, i know that like it was dan Aykroyd's like only movie he ever directed and it was like just a bunch of a lot of weird ideas that he pulled from from an experience of like getting pulled over and having to like go in front of a municipal judge in the middle of nowhere. Right. And I think the extrapolation of the ideas that he went to with that, with like these weird, like it's like a, you know, it's like a junkyard and there's like killer roller coaster ride. And there's this old creepy judge who, I mean, literally Drew and I were watching it now going like, he literally has kind of like a penis for a nose. Yep. Yeah. He <laughs> so very much has like, a penis for a nose. An extreme, an extremely yeah, stubby yeah. penis, but a penis. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's just like, I mean, like, I can't imagine explaining all these ideas to, like, all these established, well, you know, people that are good at their jobs crew, people that worked with, like, Spielberg and all these other people that this is what I want to do. 
and we're going to spend $40 million doing it. $40 million, <laughs> by the way. People are starving yes. in Africa. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. But I am really glad this movie exists. So it's it's cool, way, too, because it, it's not the type of movie they make at all anymore. You know, they, I, they barely make comedies, let alone like these big, you know, action you know, horror comedy sort of weird. Yeah, movies. I mean, we're, we're not in the days anymore where they like have stars like Chevy Chase and Demi Moore and they're like, we'll anchor this weird horror comedy and it's kind of okay because we have them so people are going to show up and watch it mm -hmm. no matter what. Yeah. Um, and that's, it, it was, it's such like a time machine to watch this type of thing because like, you're never going to get that like ensemble, goofy genre comedy almost anymore. It almost never happens, so. You know, I miss it. <laughs> um, yeah, we can kind of pick apart all the things that are kind of anomalous and unusual about it now in a sec. Yes. However, before we jump in, I don't know if you guys have listened to the show before. This is going to be an interesting one. I might be better if you nominate one of the two of you to do this. But um, one okay. thing that we yeah. make everybody do when they come on is um, it is quite possible and probably reasonably likely that some people out there will be listening to this without having seen the film. Okay. So what we generally do at this point is uh, Andy puts thirty seconds on the clock, which I believe he has done. Yes. Um, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna count somebody in, and uh, we're gonna need you to give us your best thirty second synopsis of Nothing But Trouble. Uh, which one of the two is gonna step up for this? Oh wow! You want to do it? I'll take a shot at it. Yeah, I'll go for it. <laughs> okay. Right. Uh, okay. Let's go. Three, two, one, go. All right, Chevy Chase is a banker from New York. He meets Demi Moore. He's got a crush on her. They decide to take a road trip to go to Atlantic City, and they get pulled over by the local cop, John Candy, who takes them to see a creepy, weird judge played by Dan Aykroyd who rules like a small fiefdom of like a junkyard where he actually uh, convicts people and makes them run through his crazy house and ultimately kills them. <laughs> I'm happy yeah. with that. I'm more than happy okay. with that. Yeah, yeah. Um, these th those historically go disastrously. Yeah, five seconds oh, really? left. That that puts you pretty high up in the the. Wow. Well, the seventy odd people that have for other movies, so we're used to like having to summarize our ideas really. Well, this really is really tightly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah um, the the most common mistake is people getting really bogged down in like the first ten pages. Oh really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. There's yeah. A, like there's way too much scene setting. People are getting into way too much vivid storytelling. That's like we kind of both, me and Andy, both kind of when you got to like the going to Atlantic City after like six seconds we just kind of exchanged knowing nods being like this guy knows what he's doing <laughs> <laughs> um, can I just say quickly by the way I own this film like, you do yeah, really yeah I yeah <laughs> that's great I'd say about oh, two years ago I bought it on Amazon so what we watched tonight Mitch was my bought copy of oh my that's amazing trouble. right oh man I'm jealous was it widescreen was it like was it the widescreen copy of the film or is it full frame <laughs> full, it was full frame Oh wow! Okay, yeah, it's full. You know, we just were reading about it. it's actually a widescreen film that you can't find widescreen anymore, which is a little depressing. Oh. It's not really wide, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm very similar to you. And and I told you this just before we like before we even watched the film tonight, Mitch. That I, this was a film that I rented countless times from from the video shop. And, oh really? Yeah, and I think only now watching it when I'm older, I'm like, why the fuck did it, why was I allowed to watch this? Yeah, <laughs> because for what is a family? Well, is that a family film? Actually, can we just do a quick? Can we just do a quick roundtable on this? So I saw this for the first yeah. time right now. Uh, oh nice. How, how how old was everybody else when they saw this for the first time? Roughly. Oh my god, I would have been like. I'd have been like twelve. I don't think I saw it in the theater. Yeah, yeah. I, I think so. we were I think probably. I it. it was. I played on HBO for like a yeah. decade. I like, think between the 
for Drew and I, it was between the ages of like 11 and 13. Okay. Somewhere in there is when we saw it. Yeah, I'd be around the same. Right. Okay, 32 yeah. for me. 32. <laughs> well, wow. <laughs> wow. So how did it hold up like, with fresh I, I, eyes? <laughs> see, honestly, I mean, like, I, I kind of feel like, like I say, I mean, we literally, the credits were rolling on this about five minutes before we came through here. And I feel like my reaction to it is still forming in my head. I, I, yeah. I sometimes feel like we do this quite a lot that way. And I feel like rolling straight into it can be really good. But also sometimes I feel like I, I'm only half reacting to something by the time I'm talking about it. And yeah, I feel like that's yeah. definitely happening here. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I think we should just jump in. And straight out of the gate, I think that, like the cast in this is insane. And we talked about this before. It's like it's it's the kind of ensemble that you would just never get like anything like that for something this strange now. Because, yeah. <laughs> yeah, your, oh, yeah, your headliners are John Candy, Chevy Chase, Dan Aykroyd, and Demi Moore. Right, well, I mean, at least two of those were favours pulled in by Dan Aykroyd and Chevy Chase and John Candy. Uh, Chevy Chase famously hated the script, but did it because Dan Aykroyd's his friend. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I know it's also, this was at the same time, like, Ghost had just come out or was about to come out, so... I don't think she was Demi Moore yet, was kind of was... like, you know, she was at, you know, hitting the height of her career when this movie was getting released because Ghost had come out previously. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, like, I mean probably not the first movie she wanted to come out after you know ghost came out <laughs> <laughs> so and national lampoons was huge so chevy chase was like a huge you know big deal yeah yeah, yeah. it's just like like we were saying they just don't um we're kind of in a time now where they don't like anchor movies with stars as much it's not as important so it's kind of funny to go back and watch a movie like that because you're kind of like oh the only way they wrote people into this movie was, oh, Chevy Chase and Demi Moore. I'll go see it, you know? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You certainly wouldn't see that kind of thing happening with genre stuff now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, genre traditionally now is kind of like no cast or just maybe one recognizable person to anchor it a little bit. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. Everything about this for kind of like maybe like the first 15 minutes or so, I was kind of like, like I when you picked this, not only had I never seen it, I'd never heard of it. I knew nothing about it. Really? Um, yeah, <laughs> so I decided to... so. Uh, Brett, when you suggested it, I looked it up and I, I literally just found out enough to check with you that we were talking about the same film. Um, I yeah. was like, oh, 1991, uh, Dan Aykroyd, Chevy Chase, 5% on Rotten Tomatoes. And you were like, yep, that's the one. Um, and, uh, I, and I literally, I, I left it at that. I, I did no other homework at all before uh, we yeah. play on it tonight. Um, and well, it's fair. It came out when you were like four years old, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, like for, for about maybe like the first 15 minutes of this, it gives off the vibe of it's that it's just going to be a kind of like a fairly standard capery comedy that you kind of got around the early 90s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it feels like a bad comedy. Like the yeah. jokes don't land and it feels sort of like stuffy and you don't really understand yeah. what it weirdly like place for a the movie characters that feels at. really expensive as you go through it. The beginning feels really cheap. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. first like 10, 15 minutes. But um, yeah, it, it kind of just has this vibe of uh, like trying to s just let, you know, Chevy Chase do his thing and kind of do his like probably a little bit of improv and just try to charm the camera. But it kind of, I mean, as much as I love this movie in the beginning, that's kind of the worst part. It all kind of falls flat. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the first couple of character introductions are really, really heavy handed. I think like, uh, you know, like Chevy Chase getting out of the limo and being just kind of at this point, non-specific billionaire and stocks and shares guy. But you're, you're right. Yeah. He is just doing Chevy Chase. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just doing Chevy Chase, like that kind of schmarmy charm thing. But it actually kind of comes across like, I just don't like this guy because he sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I totally agree. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's, he like, sells asshole right out of the gate. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, it's such a weird kind of, you know, Drew and I joked about it a little bit too because we were watching it. It was like, I have no idea the name of any of these characters about 45 minutes into it. <laughs> and that's probably, probably us being critical. You know, the problem with the first 15, 20 minutes is there's not really a good establishment of who these people are until they kind of get to Vulcanvania. So that's right. Yeah. Um, and yeah. There's not even much of a motivation when, like, him and Demi Moore, like, team up to travel cross country. It's sort of like a little, <laughs> a little vague and, uh, yeah. It, it feels like it's just that, you know, Chevy Chase has a crush on her, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like every bad 80s, 90s, like, sex comedy, yeah. you know? Now we're really tearing into our movie that we love. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, first, yeah, I think it's because, like, we watched the first, like, 15 minutes. We're like, oh, man, did we pick a movie that's actually got off and we hate all of it, you know? And, and it's just, we just don't remember it the but right it, way. So gentlemen, it just gets better and better. You would yeah. not be the first people to come on here and realize the film they picked was terrible. Yeah. That's <laughs> Yeah, um, I just want to say for a comedy, surprisingly unfunny. The jokes uh, don't land at all. Yeah, they don't land at all. I think like very, very few actual jokes in there. I think like there's like <laughs> like there's there's dialogue that's played for laughs, but in terms of like kind of like joke and setup kind of thing, they're they're really not. There's really not that many. Yeah, yeah. I think most of the jokes are like you know visual payoffs. It's like John Candy and drag, or you know <laughs> yeah. silly. Don't you, which, Don't. which which has aged fairly ropely <laughs> yes yes yeah i was like oh man that, that's i forgot literally she came down when john candy comes down the stairs dressed in drag she's like i forgot about this part <laughs> yeah, I, I, I totally slipped my mind as well oh my god honestly that's another thing Talk, talking about things that happen all the time with uh, films people choose um if people pick something they haven't seen in maybe 10 years they watch it back and it's like oh yeah i forgot about that yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, but like, yeah, my reaction to that was, ah, we're doing this now. I see. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's, it's just it's, it's so it, there's so many things in the movie that feel so kind of rough, but they're kind of they're they're so tied into that time period that I just have such a nostalgia for that kind of yeah the thinking behind doing those type of things. Sure. that's really funny, even though they don't age well now. And you watch them now, and you're like, oh man, this is. Uh, Probably kind I don't of, know if this is right. It's probably <laughs> kind of telling that we picked that movie, too. The first movie we made, Deadheads, is such a weird hybrid of, like, every genre yeah. and tone. And, like, watching this, I was just like, this movie is all over the place. And I, I was like, you know, that's probably what kind of... This movie, in some ways, probably influenced our first film. Because it's this movie is just crazy weird, and it's a little bit of everything, you know? Yeah, so. yeah. yeah. Even down to the moment where they put in an extended musical number. Uh, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel like we're getting ahead of things. Yeah, yeah I was gonna say let's let, let's get let's keep this linear. Um, so yeah, we meet we meet Diane uh, pretty early doors as well, an incredibly flustered lawyer played here by Demi Moore. Yeah, you're right. I mean, Chevy Chase, Chris, uh, evidently has a crush on her. Uh, so when she comes to his party, they formulate this plan very quickly that um he's gonna drive her to consult a client, I believe, in Atlantic City. Um, a tri- um, an idea that is very quickly hijacked by Fausto and Rinalda. <laughs> Go on. Ah, so. oh, squid and easy, squid and easy, squid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, like I just had that paralyzing fear where I looked at my notes and the surname was there and I couldn't read it and I was like, oh no. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, they're a Brazilian brother and sister who I think have a kind of weirdly consistent sexual chemistry the entire time. Yeah. 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 I, I- what rewatching it when they I said thought they, they were, were a couple and sister, I'm like oh, originally. A couple. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> when I was a kid, I don't think I ever realized they were brother and sister. He yeah. call, he calls her baby for the entire time. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah. it's really strange, and, and it, it's like so off-putting when they finally drop the line that they're brother and sister, just because you're like, there's, you're right. There's all this like, they're always pushing this like sexual chemistry. Like these are vibrant, like people who are like all into each other. That's just then, how foreigners are. I, I guess, guess. <laughs> That's, that was our perspective <laughs> then of people from South America, apparently. So. But yeah, like they kind of, uh, they kind of again by kind of like kind of very flimsy subtext end up in the car for this weird road trip that we're seeing the beginning of. Yeah, why they're yeah. there, I've got no idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Squarely, like you, you kind of see, like probably from a screenwriting perspective, is like, well, we need to have these two bounce off of some characters, so let's get some really over the top foreigners and put them in the car with them. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, it's like just about as madcap an option as you could choose. I think within reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like it's a mad, mad, mad world or something like that. And, totally, you know, exactly. Car. Also, yeah, they're, yeah. they're dressed like stereotypical Brazilians. Like all, oh. like all their clothes have got like fruit print on them. Oh yeah, multicolored fruit print and just like you know, like big curly hair. It's, like, <laughs> it's so, it's so funny. Like, but I mean, the funny thing is, you watch it when you're a kid and you just accept all of it. You know? Yeah. <laughs> it feels like all the scenes where they're driving, you know, cross country, like. They're, they feel like they're just improv. It feels like they they were just like, all right, just like make something up while we got this little quick driving scene. It's not. They don't feel like they're building to anything. I'd yeah, be, I'd yeah, be very yeah. curious to know how much of this was. I mean, I think there's a good chunk of it that it was, but I also like knowing that like it was kind of a passion project for Dan Aykroyd. <laughs> and yeah, he's a comedian, and 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 now we have this big appreciation for. There's a lot of comedies that are made with a lot of improv. Like they're almost all improv with a little bit of scripting. I think back then, though, they had they there was definitely more of kind of a thing of making sure you scripted through your comedies and you followed the script. I'm sure they did a little bit, but I don't think it was too much. Yeah, know? yeah, I, I think it, it has that it has that feel. I think a lot of like you say, these kind of incidental scenes have a kind of looseness to them that gives off that kind of vibe. I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, it screams to me sometimes, and we've been in this position in the past where you're like, you get to a scene that you maybe didn't figure out as well as you thought you did in the writing, and you're like, well, it'll be okay. We got. Chevy Chase and he can just say some funny stuff and the people in the backseat can say some funny stuff and we'll get through this driving part, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, and that's it, you know? <laughs> they end up taking a detour on the way to Atlantic City. Um, for a picnic. For a picnic, apparently, yeah. Um, yeah, in New Jersey, of all places. Yeah. That's the best part. It's like, Big side of New Jersey, and I was like, I literally looked at Drim like nothing good happens in New Jersey. <laughs> the picnic, <laughs> the picnic capital of America. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, I love the fact that um, when Diane Demi Moore was talking about going to Atlantic City the night before, it sounded like the most important thing in the world, and everyone's sense of urgency completely evaporates at the mention of a picnic, and he gleefully turns yeah. off the turnpike. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like hey yeah let's just go do it no big deal it's fine we'll just use our really futuristic gps system here to take us by the lake very ahead of the curve (laughs) that's pretty cool yeah yeah (laughs) uh but yeah they end up in a valkenvania that's correct, Mitch, yep. Yeah, yeah, which I guess was the original title of the movie. Yeah, it was. <laughs> Brett ah. actually guessed it. We looked up like a well, trivia. I literally said that when we were watching it. I was like, I bet you this movie was called Vulcanvania before it was Nothing But Trouble. Just because like Nothing But Trouble is probably like the most boring title you could name something. And I'm like, hey, he had a better name for this probably when it I guess it was also called like Trick House even before that, which is... <laughs> I would have seen Trick House as a kid. I'd be like, Trick House? Oh my God, sold. (laughs) (laughs) Those are both incredibly functional titles. I think Dan Aykroyd said Mm -hmm. before that he still views the film as Vulcanvania and not as nothing but trouble. Yeah, I I mean, honestly, that's that's a better name for the movie. It's more fun. It's more descriptive (laughs) of what actually you see, you know? 
But yeah, the, the town itself of Valkenvania is a bit of a mess. The streets are apparently lined with coal. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and large sulfur plumes. Yeah, yeah. It's it's that whole like underlying plot line that like, you know, you, you know, having seen a billion movies now, you see the ending coming a million miles away now that like there's this mine underground that's been on fire for like 80 years. Um, so like literally the whole town's like ready to explode from underneath. So it's like their, their initial setup of that idea, which, you know, it's, it's, it's fun. It sets the tone. I mean, literally when they drive into that town, I'm like, all right, this is where the movie gets weird. This is the movie I remember liking, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I love the fact that the first house they drive past just literally has, have assembled just four hick stereotypes in a line. They literally are just four oh, chairs yeah. that are sitting in. It's your, yeah, you've got your, all, your, all your stereotypes are there. You've got your toothless yokel. Uh, you've, yeah. You've yeah. got your uh, dim-looking banjo player. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're, all, they're all here. I think there's even like a bald biker guy almost. You yeah. Know? yeah, disheveled woman clutching yeah. baby. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Pushing a pram down the street, but the pram is actually filled with bricks. <laughs> yeah. Um, at this point, Chris um, kind of invokes the ire of um, a policeman we'll get to know a lot more about when he doesn't yield at an apparently rhinestone stop sign. Um, <laughs> then, I didn't notice yeah. that. Uh, but yeah, then um, a short chase sequence in as he's chased down by Dennis Valkenheimer, played here by, yeah. I think, the film's comfortable MVP, uh, John Candy. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, He's John awesome. Candy just has, well, I mean, it's kind of nice because, I mean, everybody else is kind of over the top and big in this movie, and he's kind of the only person that's down to earth. So I think he kind of helps you, he gives you somebody to, in a weird way, you almost root for him more than anybody else in the movie. It's like to me more and, and uh, Chevy Chase, you're like, yeah, yeah, it's cool if they get out of this crazy town, but. I actually just want John Candy to have a nice life and get away from this because he's been there too long and worked too hard. Yeah, he's the one person, he feels like he yeah. knows what movies he's in, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I absolutely cannot agree with that more, by the way. He was the only character that I was really rooting for. Yeah, he doesn't mm-hmm. want to be there any more than Chevy Chase and Demi Moore <laughs> He doesn't want to be there any more than I did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you're right. A Chase and Hughes and Chevy Chase uh, commits multiple crimes in his... Uh, it's weird that like that you would be convinced to do this, but yeah, that part's so weird. When the um the guy in the back seat from Brazil, which is terrible to call him that, but he goes, he's basically like, "Hey, this thing can go faster, right?" And you're like, "Oh my god, this is where it's going." It just encourages him to lose the cop, and I'm like, "But he's a wealthy banker from New York. Why does he want to get in more trouble?" Just you know, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's like incredibly low stakes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's like one of those things probably where uh, somebody's like, well, this part's kind of boring. Try to make it a little more exciting, you yeah, know? Exactly. <laughs> well, that... Yeah, it's sort of strange they didn't give them, like, drugs or some other thing, you know? <laughs> yeah, I'm like... sure that's, like, a studio thing back then, though. They wanted it to be, like, a wide, broad comedy. Yeah. yeah. I do like that it gets kind of Dukes of Hazard all of a sudden, and then there's, like, the, the, the part where, like, they're, they're cutting down the road, and John Candy hits the button to, like close the gates on them so they have to cut down the side road i mean it's all kind of like goofy fun stuff <laughs> ah. well yeah definitely i mean not to be outdone by the speed of chevy chase's swanky bmw john candy employs yeah. some uh flaming boosters <laughs> oh yeah uh, yeah to catch we were up joking with about that like back in the day when you made movies and if fire shot out of the back of your tailpipe you went automatically like 40 miles faster yeah <laughs> so <laughs> But you also get the first kind of uh, hint at, I suppose, how clockwork this entire film gets after this. 
when yeah things are coming out of nowhere and closing off roads and bridges are going up and down at the press of a button yeah yeah well you also get like the first taste of kind of the really weird production design that they go with this thing because it, it was strange like in my memory of the movie i just remember a big creepy house that kind of reminded me of like adam's family mm-hmm. but when i watched it this time I'm like oh it's literally like a junkyard of weirdness you know <laughs> I, I actually think the production design is one of the film's great strengths i agree yeah it's cool oh yeah it's 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 beautiful it's honestly it's like one of those things that like when you watch it now after like you know and after drew and i making a couple things you get envious of like the things that they have you know it's, it's like you have these i mean i i we listened to a little info about the making the movie with the production design they like bought out some old old guy's lot somewhere who just had a billion junker cars and just junk on his lot and literally just hauled all that crap for the set and like set it up on the basically on the lot that they had built the whole house on. So it was like this it was a huge ordeal to make that that yeah. that huge junkyardy type set with the house. Fucking hell. It was the height of like practical effects, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean like now <laughs> there would just sets. be a bunch of like wider digital shots of this like crazy junkyard, but they were like, no, we the got matte paintings yeah, yeah. for a couple of them. <laughs> Yeah, there was, yeah, there yeah. was some cool matte painting stuff in this, but uh, yeah, this might go some way to explaining why the film went $5 million over budget. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the reason we end up here, of course, is that like, uh, yeah, Chevy Chase, Chris, kind of tries to kind of tries to bribe and make it go away kind of thing when he gets pulled over. But eventually, yeah, he has to follow them to uh, <laughs> the uh, Justice of the Peace, which, yeah, obviously yep. is uh, in this gigantic salvage yard. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and we get the best introduction ever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I also I also like the fact that on the way here, um, there's something off about the place, which uh, Fausto diagnoses first as negative energy, then secondly as a uh, funky karma. <laughs> yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And also, it's really funny. Like the first driving into this compound, it's literally it's it's Chevy Chase like reading like four signs and just repeating what he sees on the signs. Yeah. He's like, oh, this. Oh, keep out. Oh, this. <laughs> oh, be polite. <laughs> He's been incredibly mm. sardonic here, and it actually starts to rub me up a kind of the wrong way a little bit. Chevy Chase here, yeah, like, yeah. Up. Just shut up, man. Well, I guess <laughs> another kind of like behind the scenes story of this is that everybody kind of hated him on this movie because he thought he was like the hot ticket and that he was bigger than everybody else there. So it's it's you kind of watch it after like watching the movie and then knowing that I'm kind of like you can kind of feel it through the whole movie, mm. you know. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, he's a notorious asshole in real life anyway. Yeah, that's what yeah, I... Yeah, it's sad. Yeah, I've heard that too because, I mean, I love Christmas Vacation and a bunch of things. Fletch, you know, and a bunch of other films. Mm-hmm. But it's like, it's like unfortunately, he's, he's, he's kind of known as one of the most awful people in the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, Mitch, you better cancel uh, Chevy Chase's appearance on the show. Oh, yeah, I'll take care of that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, when they get there, uh, when they actually first step into the actual house, Chris... Chevy Chase says, uh, Lucy, I'm home. And at this point, I realize that literally everything that's come out of his mouth so far has been a one-liner. Yeah, actually, oh, that's true. Has, yeah. You're right. That's character development there. <laughs> <laughs> Which is uh, pretty savvy, if you ask me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, like, um, and that kind of persists for a lot of it, to be fair. But yeah, at this point, here comes the judge, 106-year-old Alvin Valkenheimer. Oh, yeah, Reva. best name ever, man. I wish I was known. Last name was Valkenheimer, man. <laughs> <laughs> and he has, like, a remote-controlled chair. 
Yeah. Um, That's like my favorite sequence in the whole movie, him yeah. just shifting behind the books. Like, yeah, he waiting to introduce his character. Well, there's this great, like, gargoyle face, like, carved into the bench in front of him, and they kind of hide him behind the books. And it's, it's like, the most cinematic point in the movie. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty cool reveal, I think. <laughs> I've got a lot of time for uh, the judge. <laughs> I love the judge. <laughs> and I, I remember watching it just there actually and, and thinking when is it he jumps up what is it that's said that forces him out of his chair because oh really yeah, yeah. I, I didn't remember him being hidden for so long yeah, yeah yeah but it's like it's one of those things where you can feel like them trying to kind of make that scene a little bit more of a horror movie vibe a little bit you mm-hmm. know it's silly it's, it's, a, it's a weird movie because you feel like that scene is probably one of the scenes that like Dan Aykroyd had in his head for the longest time because he just thought it was like this cool, creepy, weird vibe. And you kind of watch the rest of the movie and you see they they obviously were fighting about like probably with the studio about like what type of movie is this going to be? Is it going to be really dark and kind of leaning more towards horror, even though it's still a comedy? Or are we going to go really silly? And, and it kind of seems like in the end, really silly one out, but that probably wasn't necessarily Dan Aykroyd's uh, intention of what he wanted to do, mm. you know? Well, I read a thing um, that said that there was a much more grisly version of this that didn't do too well with test audiences, so they were forced to... I'd love it. to see that. I would, <laughs> yeah. I would love to see it. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. definitely. Yeah, yeah, I, I want to see, see what that. happens with the bone stripper roller coaster, man, with that scene. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think yeah. I, would, I, would, I think we just... Yeah, I would like to see a cut of this where it kind of commits to the nastiness a little bit more. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. you can kind of see, like... Fragments, though, is I mean, not to jump ahead, but there's like him pulling off his face later and different, yeah. like, kind of body horror and tropes. But it's, yeah, it's definitely it probably, it's just the same thing, man. It's the type of movie that they never, like, the studio obviously didn't know what type of movie they said yes to that well or didn't think about it that much. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. yeah. it's worth mentioning, this is a Warner Brothers film. Yeah. 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 It's, and it was there we were watching it was like i guess bonfire of the vanities was in production at the same time yeah and they kind of yeah. yeah yeah so like this was like the small movie that ended up being 40 million that they kind of they weren't observing it too much because they were too concerned with bonfire of the vanities because that was like a, a disaster a, a disaster campfire going on at the time so this was kind of like the crazy movie that dan Aykroyd was kind of like making behind their back and then you know Everything settled, and he's like, "Here you go, check it out." And they were like, "Oh crap, what is this?" <laughs> <laughs> so, like, on whose watch did this happen? Yeah. Can't help mm-hmm. noticing you've got a dick for a nose, Dan. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know exactly. Like, yeah. if that if, if somebody was seeing dailies, the first thing you're like, "Is that a dick nose?" <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't want to tread on toes. It's your thing. It's your thing. But uh, is that is that a dick nose? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Chris, uh, kind of, uh, he annoys the judge here mostly by being the same kind of genetic city rude that he's been the entire time. <laughs> yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah, and they're, uh, as a result of his behavior, uh, they are forced to stay overnight where he will make his judgment in the morning. And then, yeah, yeah. And then it's, he pulls it's a kind of the, the yeah, impetus of the story. Open up the like trap door. That. Yeah. Yeah, and then they appear to fall into a room filled with beanies and uh, dolls. Yeah. Yeah, another weird idea that just, like, I, it's another reason why I love the movie is it kind of doesn't make any sense, but you're kind of in this junkyard of everything, so you kind of have an excuse to have any room or location, just have some weird element, you know? So the other thing that's funny about this movie, they never seem, like, Chevy Chase and Demi Moore, they never seem that concerned or, like, they're trying to figure out a plan. <laughs> Usually, like... <laughs> They're just kind of like going with the flow a little bit. Yeah, yeah there's, there's very much a quiet resignation to everything that's uh, happening. It's, it's certainly an unhurried vibe. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. It's almost like, and maybe that's a little bit just Chevy Chase because he's like, "What am I doing in this movie?" <laughs> you know, so. In fact, they're so unhurried that there are, I think, two scenes where they they sit down and try to smoke cigars because they're quite content. Yeah, to, they're quite content to wait it out. Yeah, I mean, yeah. When, even when they fall in the trap door, like you know, a traditional horror movie, they'd be like checking every wall trying to figure out a way out <laughs> to escape. Right then, it's it's Texas Chainsaw Massacre at that point. Yeah, but they uh, they just kind of hang out and wait for dinner. but while but while they're uh while they're kind of incarcerated in this basement i suppose uh we get a cut away to this group of revelers in a car very similar to the scene from uh demons where they're just tearing through the countryside they're taking drugs they're drinking and they too fall afoul of dennis baldwin too yeah there's more baldwins in there yeah Yeah, that main guy, he's a Baldwin, eh? The uh, Arthur. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They probably could have just filmed him in his daily life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Those Baldwin crazy Baldwins. Baldwin. It's a yeah. trivia corner. To this day, he doesn't know he was in that film. What? <laughs> it's a joke. It's a joke. Um, uh, my favorite part about this, though, is he kind of does his oh best, God. like, Robert De Niro impression. Like, he gets out of the car and he's just like. Every face he makes is kind of like a Robert De Niro face with like his slick back hair or something like that. It cracks me up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I see that. Um, but yeah, they're pulled over. They're hauled in front of Alvin too. Just want to remind you at this point that I was watching this with fresh eyes and knowing nothing about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and at this point, again, I was like, I had, obviously I had realized at this point that this had taken a turn. Um, well, the film really leans into the silly here because... Alvin kind of lists off the litany of things that they've found in the car, and he has the biggest bag of coke you've ever seen in your life. There's yeah. like, there's like <laughs> numerous like flick knives and firearms and like, yeah, brass knuckles. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, ultimately they are um, their sentence. All of them uh, is to be fired into Mister Bone Stripper. <laughs> yeah yeah which i love that they actually wrote a bone stripper song for when you ride the bone stripper so yes <laughs> yeah i yeah. didn't notice uh, the mr bone stripper theme tune until the second time when chris is on it oh really and i was like oh oh i forgot about this <laughs> oh it's awesome it's like an 80s hair metal band song like bone stripper <laughs> Do you, so cool. do you think that that's like um that's supposed to appear as like kind of soundtrack or score or do you think that when they were building bones river that like in universe they commissioned a band to write that <laughs> probably in post i bet you they i bet you it's when they tried to make it more comedic yeah yeah i bet you they i bet you they commissioned that song that would be my guess uh, another thing about that bone stripper thing that wasn't even something dan Aykroyd thought of that was just the crew thought it would be cool and, and i guess he was just like that's the funny thing. You, you read about this, and the crew loved working on it because Dan Aykroyd was like such a nice guy about taking suggestions of what to do. And this was one of them. He was like, "Yeah, let's do it," you know. And he just kept on blowing studio money. So. <laughs> Maybe he shouldn't have been. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the the stripper is amazing. Oh yeah, it's great. Yeah, I love it's, it's uh, like metal teeth that just kind of go up and down to like bite, you know. Too, it's just, it's really funny. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because yeah, because everyone is like absolutely kind of like absolutely diced into me at this point. Oh no, you, they're, they're, yeah, they are yeah, literally yeah. stripped of all flesh, uh, and their bones yeah, are fired yeah, out the, the bones shoot out. I, there's, not, there's no blood or anything. It's just like clean bones. Yeah, <laughs> I kind of wanted those to be like meaty, gross bones yeah. and stuff too, because I would be like, that'd be a little bit more the the weird ass movie. I kind of he probably wanted to make. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> I do like the fact that everything that gets shot out of the bone stuff at the end gets shot at a bullseye though. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, that was really cool. <laughs> Um, yeah, weirdly, I, I was not expecting this next, the dinner scene. I didn't expect um, a, a detained people who or people who were being detained overnight were going to dine with the judge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, this scene has one of the creepiest images in my mind that stuck with me. And it's when they serve those really disgusting hot dogs. Revolting. And then the judge, like, picks up the one he's going to eat. And he's, like, shaking and the sausage is shaking and he's trying to bite into it. <laughs> It absolutely disgusts me every time I see it. It's one of the most disgusting yeah. things I've seen in any film, but I, I kind of love it. So. Yeah, those 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 hot dogs are so grey and flaccid and like greasy. Um, oh yeah, yeah. little bits of skin like hanging off each end. It's just like <laughs> absolutely. It's worse than Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. It grosses me out way more than like monkey brains and eyeball soup, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, uh, yeah, this is this is the first point um, that we get a look at Eldona. Eldona, uh, Alvin's granddaughter, oh, yeah. uh, played here by uh, John Candy and Dragon. Oh yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah. saying nothing yeah. about this as a choice John Candy I think is still doing good work here and kind of still pretty committed stuff yeah John Candy I, I always thought he was kind of underrated as an actor yeah. in a lot of ways and, and this is a really silly goofy moment they have him doing and stuff but he kind of John Candy kind of almost makes anything work in every movie in his good movies and his bad movies it's kind of it's kind of amazing that he, he makes this part that is kind of terrible and awful and doesn't really work kind of makes it work in a weird way I think there's, there's an earnestness to it that i don't think needs to be there that i think is kind of commendable and like considering yeah. all it's doing is facial expressions i think that it's yeah i think i think i think he's doing okay work considering what we're looking at here and like what that yeah is. yeah for his, over atop the appearance of him is and stuff like that it could have been way more kind of annoyingly ridiculous and bigger and he kind of made it a little more understated which kind of makes it passable you know yeah i i yeah i think so i think I it just think, about gets there yeah i think the decision to keep eldona mute as a big part yeah. of what makes it work at all i think if he was speaking and he was doing a ridiculous high-pitched affect on his voice to pretend to be a woman uh yeah, yeah i don't yeah. think that would have worked as well yeah exactly i agree yeah i think i, I think that i think that's great as well Almost everything in this film is automated or button operated or on wheels or on motors and things like that. <laughs> yeah, one of, one of my favorites of these, and it's totally incidental, but see uh, the train that does the circuit of the table with the condiments on it. Oh, it's yeah. amazing. That shoots pickles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, love I love that train in my table. Yeah, I, it's, it's one of those things where, like, this house, I mean, I, we didn't really talk about it, but the, like, the production design inside the house, like in this dining room and all stuff, is amazing. And the like where they walk into the house initially, it looks like the house from Fright Night. Um, it's just, it's this, uh, I love the design of it. And the, um, yeah, with this like whole, I think what you said, like with the buttons, everything in this movie works on like a button or some sort of nozzle you turn or something. Yeah. I think that's also what appealed to me as a kid. Totally. Because like as a kid, you always want to have like a controller that operates everything. Yeah, and secret passageways yeah. and that kind of fun yeah, it's like I always wanted my house to have like secret passages and magic buttons that make trains pop out of tables and stuff like that. <laughs> Even but things I, that don't need buttons, like the judge popping up earlier, like that he has a remote control chair and that like his whole 
desk, you know, moves forward and that whole vibe, like everything is controlled, you know. Even his his his, to it. his credentials are framed and come up uh, on button operated things and everything in that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, cool. Yeah, that's actually that's actually a really child. I think that like obviously like say like say, but this came out when I was either four or five years old, depending on when in 1991 it came out. Um, when I was younger and watching films, uh, kind of in my very early life, I was fascinated by uh things that were button operated and things that were mechanical and stuff like that so you're quite right i think if i'd watched this when i was really young like younger than i should have been i think that i would have latched onto the same thing yeah <laughs> yeah he's probably still a little too immature for you then yeah <laughs> <laughs> just well, it's just six just six year old me being like this is puerile mm-hmm. <laughs> it's been a long-running thing on the show that uh, mitch has always had a little bit of a thing for mechanisms and gears That's and true, clamps actually. and cogs that's kind of carried through to other films that we've watched yeah uh so yeah 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 well no it's true i get like i have an appeal for like anytime there's a movie like say it's an indiana jones movie or something like that and somebody pushes the button or sets off a trap and you see like things like rotating and like ropes being pulled or anything like that i'm like i'm kind of sold on this scene you know (laughs) (laughs) um yeah uh andy I think potentially one of your favorite moments in the film happen, uh, happens here. When uh, when Taylor Negron's character gets shot in the eye with a cornichon. Fausto, yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. And that's the best. Like, one of his excuses for leaving when he stands up from the table is like, you have things that shoot pickles. <laughs> and he jumps out a window. That's, <laughs> the, that's the last straw. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. I, I love the fact that that's what does it. That's what makes him say enough is enough. Yeah. <laughs> and then you're right. Yeah, they do jump out of a window. Yeah, 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 yeah. They literally leap right out of the window. It's like no other option. He takes it to like, the, you know, he goes from one to ten. He's like, we got to jump out this window and run away. <laughs> <laughs> and she fires on them as they're running away. But it's, it's, it's another one of those funny bits where like, you know, Diane and, uh, and uh, Thorne or whatever, like Demi Moore and uh, Chevy Chase, they just kind of hang out and watch. Because <laughs> <Yep. laughs> this is happening. There's no urgency. That's true, Until they like throw their napkins in the judge's face. Like, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Yeah, and then they're pre- they're they're rounded up pretty sharpish by Aldona. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to try that trick to get away from somebody though. When I'm at a dinner I don't want to be at, I'll just like signal to Drew, and we'll both pick up our napkins and throw it in their face, and then like run out the door. <laughs> <laughs> signal to Drew to fire a cornichon at you. Yeah. <laughs> just try that at the next director's lunch you're at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It'd go over well. We'll do it at Fright Fest next time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm sure stranger things have happened at that table. Just throwing, yeah. ha- throwing hankies <laughs> in Alan Jones's face. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, at this point, Chris kind of makes a move on Diane. She rebuffs him, so he does the classy thing and waits until she falls asleep before he touches her. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's so creepy. It's so creepy yep, and weird. Horrible. Even, just, even just her falling for him all of a sudden, she just like, they start making out, but it, it comes out of nowhere. Yeah. yeah, I just watch that scene. I go like Chevy Chase thinks he's the shit here, yeah. like in real life, and it's like he would never have a chance like this in his entire life with somebody like to be more. Chevy, she's being paid for this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But he, he's saying he's like, yeah, I'm Chevy Chase. This is why this happens. However, um, yeah, I read, this, I read about this time. Uh, some someone whacks the cock block button and the bed starts spinning. Inevitably, it's on talking more. <laughs> <laughs> but then she asks, uh, what did you do there? What what was that? What are you doing? Yeah, I think that was almost like they were trying to make some sort of like sex joke a little bit. Like, did we just have sex, but it didn't like it didn't land or something. I, it just felt like this weird moment that they like it was meant to be something else. But they shot this spinning bed thing and just didn't 
didn't make as much sense, you know. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah, I, I, yeah. There, 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 there wasn't a, a road out of that situation in writing, I don't think, or nothing. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, yeah, at this point, like not long after this, Chris and Diane settle down with a cigar again. See, kind of like, yeah. yep, we're just quite <laughs> quite content to just ride out the storm. On this as one. you do. Yep. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, at this point, another door is mysteriously opened. And I, I got excited when a mysterious door opened, though. I was like, ooh, a passageway and a slide, you know? <laughs> yeah, I, I love the fact that, despite the fact that that door um, opens almost completely at random, they immediately just, like, fire onto the slide without questioning it at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 you know what's kind of crazy about that slide scene, too, Drew, is, like, when Demi Moore kind of hits the bottom, she does this, like, full face belly flop. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, man, I wonder, like, I mean, she obviously really did it, and we were just kind of surprised. We're kind of like, Usually you don't see a star kind of take a, a face hit like that, you know, in the dirt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, fair play, yeah. to be fair. Um, yeah, at this point, obviously, the slide has kind of got a fork in it. They get separated. At this point, this is where the film starts to get harder work for me. All right, okay. Yeah. yeah I, I, <laughs> this is I, when it gets good. <laughs> one of my favorite parts in a few moments, though. <laughs> I love the, the slide, too, by the way. It feels so Goonies. The yeah. way that it just keeps cutting back and forth to them. Like, they obviously are going down the same slide over and over again. This slide scene is incredibly long. Yeah, it's one of those things where you like, you you build the slide and you're like, man, that's not really long. We shot it. It doesn't feel so good. You're like, well, guess what? We can just keep cutting to the same shots of the slide because nobody can tell. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, you're right, Mitch. Chevy Chase falls uh, into a pile of bones. Seems completely nonplussed by that. And then gazes through a wall at uh, the judge. And really what we have here is just uh, Dan Aykroyd having a whale of a time. Yeah, 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 yeah. What, do you mean more... She flops out and she finds like the beamer though, right? She finds the car. Yeah, it's been like chop shopped. Um, like the, oh the... yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, yeah. This is actually this. I mean, it's it's the typical part where they, somebody finds a phone, they try to dial, and they can't they can't get a hold of people. Oh, I'm skipping over the good part though, where we see the judge through the hole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's correct. not let's yeah, yeah. let's not blow past that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that's one of my favorite parts in the movie because it's just it's another just like. I mean, Dan Aykroyd, I kind of love him as the judge in this movie, and I love him by himself, like, talking in the mirror and taking his hair off and then, like, removing his nose. It's just so, like, as a kid, it was so, like, this was, like, a tense scene for me to watch, you know? I mean, watching it now it feels ridiculous, but when I watched it when I was a kid, it was kind of, like, the scary moment, you yeah. know? Yeah, I, I, I can see that. Yeah. Um, also, yeah. Well, I, I think like, and this kind of ties back in with what you were saying, Andy, about the fact that there is there is a kind of a, a more grisly version of this in circulation. I think like, see, when he takes his nose off, I think that like that is kind of, I think, noticeably more graphic than most other stuff in the film. Yeah. And it, yeah. I, I, it, the it, horror it, movie, all of a sudden. Yeah, exactly. And it does feel, and it feels kind of, it feels kind of jarring in a way that it probably wouldn't in a darker cut of this. Yeah. yeah, I wonder if there was more to that because it never really escalates into anything. He basically he sits down in the bed and takes off his leg, and then I think that I, I think he eventually just kind of like he goes to bed. I goes to it, bed, yeah. but I'm just wondering if there was like something else that was creepy in yeah. there, you know? Mm-hmm. But that that scene is like one of those scenes where it's like it feels really weird and disturbing in a weird way, and it's like I, I, that it's the same thing. It's kind of like oh, there's the movie that they wanted to make, and this scene still snuck its way in, you yeah. know? Well, yeah. It also feels like yeah. they've went. This is quite weird. So what we need to do to kind of alleviate the tension is cap it off with a fart joke. Oh yeah, that's right. Cause it, it is a good fart sound effect though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not a complete not bust. We're putting too many fart sound effects and things we've made. Maybe we were 
in high school, but I was like, oh, that's a great fart sound effect. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> that's your Wilhelm scream. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Introduced to two highly regrettable characters here at this point from my perspective as well. Uh, oh, Diane really? in her kind of strolling oh, around. come on. Happens on uh, Bobo and Lil Devil. Oh, oh yeah. they're the best. Yeah. <laughs> One of my favorite weird it's things. It's so weird. Yeah. And like, Drew and I kind of have like a background with these, well, not a background, but like when we were in high school, we ate a lot of cereal, cereal for dinner, lunch, <laughs> breakfast, didn't matter. Cereal. So like our buddy Connor used to like, like do the Bubba little Debo voice in front of us, like, give me my cereal. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever we were eating cereal. So it's like stuck with me ever since place in our heart. Like I literally like, I, I'm, you know, as an adult, I'll pour myself some cereal and in my mind, they're like, give me my cereal. <laughs> 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 yeah, this movie is somehow weirdly like offensive to even just like old people and like fat people and <laughs> foreigners and, and yeah. It's, 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 yeah, which it's is a hard funny. thing to do. Yeah, you know? I mean, it's it, like it's almost impressively inclusive in how many people it offends. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. yeah, babies. Yeah, exactly. yeah, but but on a side note, Bobo and Little Debo, like the makeup on them is amazing. Oh yeah. my god, they look absolutely disgusting. <laughs> yeah, it's fantastic. And some yeah. of the best lighting in the movie too. It feels more horror movie. It's it's totally Dean Gundy vibes there. The rest mm-hmm. of the movie feels kind mm-hmm. of flat a lot of it yeah. yeah i love how like even when they walk like their stomach like bounces almost in a natural kind of oh, it's almost like there's a big balloon in there but it feels kind of natural like it's got some weight to it. it's just with drew and i were literally looking at it, like that's a really great fat suit too you know so yeah i mean like no i want to see there. i want to see the standalone movie with those two yeah. <laughs> going on adventures the spin-off i kind of feel like there's been so many times recently on the show that there's been a strand that we've picked on and um and it always ends up being the thing that was like you know what that would work great as a 10-part netflix miniseries yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh man now I want Drew and I to go out on uh, want, want to dress up as them for Halloween or something. Like oh, that. Yeah. I genuinely, when you when you said when you started a story with in high school, I was almost certain that was where that was going. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, um, Eldona catches Diana when she's trying to escape. Uh, she nearly burns her alive, but doesn't purely because uh, Bobo and Little Devil uh, persuade her not to. That's right. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. They're kind of like the sweethearts in the movie, which is kind of funny. But they're they're just they're like giant male formed garbage pail kids. It's really yeah. such a weird idea. They're like giant baby. I don't know. It's so strange. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. Whatever else it is, it's definitely strange. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Chris breaks into the living quarters here of uh, Alvin, is immediately caught sneaking around um, as slapstick fight ensues. Um, yeah, another gross out slapstick fight because he stands in a bed. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's I right. was really waiting for the yucky water to slosh out, but it didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, I was actually surprised they didn't follow that right through at the end as well. Yeah, a real moment of restraint. Yeah, 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 yeah. Also, a weird moment where the judge all of a sudden is very uh, mobile. <laughs> you know, and like. <laughs> Climbing over the bed and jumping at him, swinging like a little sword cane, you know? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like surprisingly nimble for someone we just saw detach a leg. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, at this point, he tries to get away. He runs into Eldona, and um, uh, by some kind of logical leap, they are now to be married. <laughs> yeah. 
that beat is really weird now to like watch. It's like, well, you touched her, so now she gets to have you. It's so strange. Yeah, it's such a weird twist. Yeah, and it's also it's like all this dark stuff has been happening kind of recently in the story, and all of a sudden it's like goofy again. Yeah, you know? yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I think. Like, he doesn't seem too fearful of the judge when he's caught there, too. They just kind of have a conversation. For a little while, yeah. yeah. I, I, I think that a lot of a lot of the strangeness of a lot of the kind of interactions in this film are the the common denominator in a lot of it for me is the complete passivity with which Chevy Chase greets all of the strangeness. Yeah, because he's like, yeah. Totally, he's, like oh, okay. Yeah, he's totally unfazed yeah. by everything. Yeah, well, it's like he's kind of he found this like safe spot the way he did comedy like years before and like Fletch and all this other stuff. And he's like, I just have to do that in everything I do. And I'm like, but you're in a horror comedy this time. So a little bit of it's about kind of selling the horror. Well, you apparently know? he hated he thought the script was terrible. Yeah. He yeah. got roped yeah. into doing it. And at, like progressively, he, he more and more he thought the movie was just going to be junk. He thought it was going to be the worst thing he ever did. So you can kind of feel that because I think they shot a good portion of it in order. And as the movie progresses, he gets kind of even like he's trying like he cares less, and less, less and less about the movie. Because <laughs> like visibly movie. exasperated. Yeah. 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 Which is too bad because you watch the movie and, and, you know, despite its problems and its faults, there's a lot of creativity in the movie. Like even just from design purpose, yeah. but just weird ideas and like even the makeup design. I mean, there's a lot of, it's like the thing, like any bad movie, you can see a lot of talent in a lot of areas. And even with some of the scenes, you can see Dan Aykroyd's got like a sense for something kind of weird that probably nobody else was kind of doing. And he pulls it off every once in a while. And you're kind of like, oh, that's kind of neat. And then and then you get it contrasted with a scene that's just kind of feels weird and forced in. Yeah, I, I can't imagine being Dan Aykroyd in that position. It's your first time directing. You've got a big star attached. You're directing the scene and you're in the scene with him at that during that wedding bit. Yeah. Trying to convince him, and he's just there, like barely acting, barely giving a shit. Yeah, and you're like acting your heart out trying to do this whole gag, and he's just not even giving you anything back. That's yeah. got to be so frustrating. I, I think <laughs> I'm angry listening to Drew talk about, it, like, man, I, I just want to punch Chevy Chase. Now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was actually just thinking that. Yeah, yeah. One of the scenes where that's most apparent, I think, is the scene where it's uh, Chris and Eldona in the room, and Eldona's kind of stripping off. Yeah. Oh yeah, like, that's so so weird. He's dude. he's just like lying on that couch and he he's given nothing. Like he's not even really mugging it up a bit. He's just kind of like he, he's really given nothing back. Yeah, you feel like he doesn't care at all. And and John Candy's kind of making that really goofy scene where I mean, what really helps is playing big girls don't cry kind of makes the <laughs> scene fly by and you're kind of like okay i get it you know but it's um that's one of those things where you, he, he, it's it was probably like a bad day of shooting because he was just probably literally like okay i'm just gonna sit on the sofa and like i'll mug it up for a couple of takes for you but that's all i'm doing you know <laughs> so yeah pretty much i think yeah <laughs> it's called the chevy chase hate hour no, <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, the only the only other film I think that we've done with him in it was uh, Tyler McIntyre came on once and did Memoirs of Invisible Man. I like that movie too. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a fun movie, man. I mean, I I know it's got its problems, but it's, uh, it's better than Hollow Man. No, I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, yes. <laughs> um, Out of the blue, with a hate for Hollow Man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, while this is going on, we have a concurrent speeding case going on—a speeding trial against the hip hop group, the real world hip hop group, Digital Underground. This is amazing. Oh yeah, um, yeah, yes. like um, including Tupac Shakur, including yeah. Tupac. Yeah, um, I yeah. was gonna do my homework on which version, which uh, which members of Digital Underground were present in the scene, and then I looked them up on Wikipedia and have thirty-four former members. 
<laughs> really? Yeah. Oh my god. So, uh, so yeah, that that but that was the full limit of my research. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I wonder if they're still around. <laughs> a, a large portion of them uh, are dead. I mean, that is true. really. Yeah, yeah, really? including Mr. Shakur. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Th- that's just kind of weird, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's it's, but, it's um, a very strange thing. Yeah, this scene though. As much as it's like a shoehorn, probably a studio thing. I can't imagine Dan Aykroyd going like, "We're going to put a musical act in here and tie it into something recent." Yeah, I, yeah. Um, I think if it was yeah. going to be a musical act as well, it wouldn't. And I, I don't imagine Dan Aykroyd picking. Yeah, a ten but piece he kind of act. he's so good as the judge in this scene that I kind of don't care. He's kind of having a fun time with it. So in a weird way, I think he kind of, as much as it's dated and it doesn't further the narrative at all or anything like that. <laughs> It's kind of fun seeing the it's judge start so to jam fun. out on his, his like his his piano and like the girls on him and stuff like it. it's just so ridiculous. But like Dan Aykroyd just goes for it, you know. <laughs> Dan Aykroyd just goes for it pretty much this entire time, doesn't he? I think like that's that's pretty much the main reason why almost any of this works. Yeah, that- yeah, yeah. I mean, it's something I it's weird. I have this really weird appreciation watching the movie again now for Dan Aykroyd in that you know, despite the movie and what it is, you can kind of feel his passion through the whole thing in a lot of ways which is just cool you know it's like mm-hmm. nice to see yeah plus he must have been fucking exhausted i mean he he wrote this he was directing it he was producing it he was acting in it and multiple yeah. roles he must have been he must have been ripping his hair out yeah oh he oh, must yeah. have been going crazy but i guess he drew is telling me that he wanted to play the chevy chase character as well as the judge yeah, oh he, he didn't want to <laughs> He didn't yeah. want to direct it. He wanted to just star in it. But I'm sure they were like, we need a, you know, somebody to hold it a little bit better. Yeah, he tried to get like John Hughes and John Landis and somebody else. Uh, who's the other? He, oh, got, no. he tried to get, oh, uh, Ivan Reitman. He yeah. tried to get all of them to direct the movie and it just, none of, you know, he couldn't get any of them to do it. Yeah, Landis apparently hated it as well. That seems to be the, yeah. uh, <laughs> the, the kind of overarching opinion is that everyone hated it. Yeah, yeah. That must have been hard, too, because, you know, they obviously professionally knew each other and probably friends from doing, like, Blues Brothers and stuff. <laughs> yeah. But, like, yeah, I mean, I almost would never want to be able to, like, give a script to a good filmmaker friend of mine and just be like, this is shit, you know? <laughs> just yeah. I just feel so bad. Uh-huh. But he probably needed to hear it, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, someone's got to say it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Digital Underground get off with their um, speeding offense because uh, Alvin is sufficiently convinced by their uh, impromptu hip-hop number they, I also yeah. think he liked the guy with the fake nose. Yeah, kinship with the fake yeah. nose guy, for sure. Definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think him and the judge just bonded over the fake nose thing. and, and <laughs> Yeah, that was, that was but, a subtext. Um, There's yeah, something yeah, about yeah. <laughs> hip-hop acts from that kind of period of time that, like, looking at these guys, I was just like, fuck, I haven't watched New Jack City in so long. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, it reminds me of a completely different time again, you know, yeah. like where this is like... There was kind of like norm of kind of shoehorning in musical acts like this, like rap musical acts that kind of give it like, you know, a timely modern attachment. But it just feels so uh, it feels so product placement-y, but I still love it. You yeah. know? One of my, my favorites is the uh, Vanilla Ice Ninja Turtles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just about to say that very thing. Yeah, I mean, dude, when the Ninja Turtle rap comes up, I get like I, I it's on my Spotify playlist. Like, <laughs> um, but yeah, um, at this point, Chris agrees to marry Aldona because the alternative is death. Sure. Um, pleads with Digital Underground to try and help him escape. Uh, they kind of leave. Don't really see what the threat is. At this point, Alvin ends up mad at him again. 
which he was before the wedding thing happened, which makes me wonder yeah. why I was watching the last 15 minutes of this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think it's the same case of like, this is a shoehorned in scene with the whole, you know, the whole rap act. Yeah. That they, it just, it doesn't make sense narratively, but they were just like, we gotta do it. And then they just kind of, it's almost like they resumed, they, they, they paused to have the, that scene with the uh, performance. And then they're like just trying to resume the movie again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. and we're back. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, at this point, but yeah, the the consequence of this is that it's Chris's turn in Mr. Bone Stripper. Sure. Oh, yeah. Um, The return to the Bone Stripper. (laughs) Yeah, return to the Bone Stripper. (laughs) Speaking of the in-universe films that I want to see. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's just they got to pay off on the setup. We we had it in one scene. Now Chevy Chase has got to be on the Bone Stripper and... Yeah, at least we got the song again, you know? Absolutely, yeah. absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. And for a machine that's been working quite well up until now, it conveniently breaks down here. Yeah, just the the, the, the belts just kind of, like, break off randomly, and then um, then Chevy Chase shoots out of the back with this really ridiculous, like, Looney Tune sound, like, whoop! Hits <laughs> <laughs> the wall and falls down, and it's like, yeah, that's probably, yeah, that's a post thing. Somebody's like, I think it'll be funnier if we just put in this ridiculousness, you know? <laughs> like a slight <laughs> <or something>. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, Diane ends up under a trap here as well. Um, Miss Graderteen. Miss Graderteen, okay, yeah. That, that... Yeah, I tr- Drew was trying to read it, and we were trying to read it. It kind of went by so fast that I just saw, like, graded or something. We couldn't quite read what it said. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's yeah. a weird contraption. It's kind of three-bladed guillotine that seems to be built primarily up until the point that they're going to use it to chop up Denny Moore for uh, smashing up watermelons. Yeah, apparently, you know... Bobo and Little Debo really like watermelons, so they built this machine to chop them. Yeah, this part's a little, it's, it's another weird thing where I'm kind of like, what is this? This Like the bone strip, weirdly enough, the bone stripper contraption roller coaster thing makes more sense to me than this thing. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. All, all yeah. of a sudden, it's like a bad Batman episode. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely. And it also feels impossibly low stakes. Mm-hmm. And also, last minute, trying to kind of like wedge in this character development for Chevy Chase to say that like he could get away, but he's going to go back for the girl, which is like, you know, it's it's the briefest decision. You know, in the it world. feels like <laughs> one of the few scenes though where he's trying. It's almost like he knows this is my moment to sort of redeem myself in this movie. Yeah, <laughs> he actually looks like he's trying to act. But uh, but they do eventually. They kind of they 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 make their escape. They. Uh report this to the authorities and then they have to go back to identify Alvin. Um, yeah. Now, one thing that tries my patience more than most things in films is a third act map zigzag. See, when people get away from a place and then for whatever reason need to go back. Yeah. Yeah. There's something about it that's like, I think also too, because in the movie, this place is such a weird, miserable place that you're kind of finally relieved when they get away on that train that you like, you don't want to go back there. <laughs> No, yeah. you know it's like yeah it's kind of like nice not to be there and then you're like you have one scene of them talking to like the cops and then they're back at the front door of the place they just escaped yeah, yeah probably it, it has multiple endings they almost would have been better off just ending it them taking off in the train and some yeah. sort of little button yeah yeah twist kind of thing yeah. like they could have just cut to john candy's character or like set that up a little bit better right then yeah, and kind of had the ending. Yeah. I do somewhere. love the wrap up for John Candy, though. Oh, yeah, that, yeah, for Dennis. Dennis is uh, living the high life in Brazil as the security guard for Fausto and Ronaldo. Um, yeah, but I quite like the. 
I quite like how the bit plays out back at the mansion. I would have actually quite liked it just to end with the cops all kind of turning on them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's another thing. It's it's the movie's got like three or four endings, and that's even a better ending than the one we eventually get. Yeah, absolutely. Because yeah, like like I say, when they get there, we kind of find out that the entire police authority are in league with Alvin or the other, or vice versa. Sure, yeah. Um, which yeah, yeah, which is like I think a perfectly fine reveal. And actually, like I say, I mean, what I, what I was going to say there was actually like for as much as I hate third act map zigzags like the one that you get here i think that when they actually go back the way it plays out is fine like i've got yeah, no particular yeah. problem with the actual beats of it but i think that i agree though now you've said it that a cleaner ending would be when you realize when the cop's gonna turn on them yeah i would have cut it before. yeah i mean mm-hmm. obviously like you said mitch we've had uh chekhov's flaming mind pit <laughs> yeah never have a flaming yeah. mind pit in the first act you don't use in the third as the old saying goes <laughs> yeah on that flaming mind pit you could honestly have taken that idea and when he when Chevy Chase before that rescues Demi Moore, you could have had the mind pit going off in there somewhere. Well, it doesn't you make sense I mean? yeah. that he doesn't go off. He explodes. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, it should have went off anyway. Yeah, There's no kinda... reason for it to go off later. Fucking yeah, hell. Yeah, There's like, your answer. There's your answer. Yeah. Like, if Chevy Chase did something to kind of usher in, because, I mean, I, I give, given the fire was set like 80 years ago, but if he somehow instigated going over the top to yeah. rescue her... That would have felt more like a big finale. Yeah. You know? so, it would have been neater as yeah. well, for sure. Yeah. You got to have them racing away in the Beamer as like the house falls into the ground, the ground's falling in, there's lava, you know, <laughs> that would have been the end. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah. Um, but yeah, basically they, they kind of escape by virtue of good fortune only really, because it just so happens that this is when the fire goes up. Yeah. Yes. Um, <laughs> and yeah, like I say, uh, they had, but they, like we see, at this point that Dennis and uh, Fausto and Ronaldo, everything's worked out pretty well for them. Perfect. The plan to get away has worked out great, which is fantastic. Yeah, um, I love how they're walking away and John Candy like puts his arm around her waist and then she moves his hand down to her butt. Um, but yeah, back to Chris and Diane for the kind of final scene thing and the kind of final sting. They're watching the news and at that point we find out that everyone has survived um, the, uh, the fire and the explosion. And uh, yeah. Alvin, Alvin's on the news saying that he's going to move in with his new grandson-in-law, referring, of course, to Chris. Um, I must admit, against my better judgment, see, one thing that always makes me laugh is human-shaped holes in walls. <laughs> so, <laughs> see, the absolute final thing, against my better judgment, I kind of snorted at it. I, yeah. I, I hate this. That's part. another Looney Tunes moment, you know? It's yeah. such a weird ending, because it's so different from everything else in the movie. Like, all of a sudden, it's this cartoon but yeah because like nothing else is like i mean as crazy and silly the movie is it's like now chevy chase the real character in the whole movie that's like been very you know sardonic and just kind of like all of a sudden he he does like the roadrunner and runs through the wall yeah (laughs) but it's not just that like there's while you were kind of looking at the hole in the wall that's presumably been left by chevy chase the film actually goes to black on his voice going no you won't in adr yeah 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 (laughs) Yeah, it's this weird, probably last-minute eighty-yard line that just like they didn't, it didn't feel right just to go out in a hole in the wall, and they just like, well, this gives it some sort of finality or something. Like, is it kind of like a kind of like a, a punchline if you like kind of thing? Yeah, yeah, it's it's another case of like maybe the movie would have been better with Dan Aykroyd or somebody else playing this character. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyone would think, yeah. Uh, yeah. And with that, we are out on uh, nothing but trouble, uh, Andy. Yeah, concluding comments. Do you know, I've got a, a, it's a film that I hadn't watched in a long time until I, and I'll tell you why I actually why I bought it again. It was um, another podcast I'm, that I listened to, uh, last podcast on the left. Uh-huh. They are forever talking about nothing but trouble, 
And, uh, <laughs> really? Oh yeah, yeah. And I, I, thought, oh, I gotta listen to it. <laughs> I thought to myself, I haven't watched that film in ages, so I bought it on Amazon. <laughs> and uh, up until you guys decided that this was a film we were going to go for, I hadn't, I hadn't gone back to it. It was just sat in my library, mm-hmm. among other things. Weirdly, that I've bought for the podcast. I my my um, my, my my library is weird because of this podcast. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but when I revisited it, I thought, you know what? I actually think there's there's quite a lot to like, and if if not just the blind ambition of one man, just wanted to do something and pretty much did it his way yeah i can yeah yeah i kind of agree i think like um for yeah for me i couldn't come out of this and immediately say that i was like well into it kind of thing i think that it's such a strange thing and i think watching it now for the first time it's so anomalous to the kind of genre film you get now and the kind of comedy or horror thing or horror comedy that you get now that i had no idea how to take it and i'm not sure that i do now having (laughs) sat here and talked about it for an hour but i think that what you guys were saying about it kind of being this kind of extrapolation from this kind of very small idea in dan akred's mind and how much of a kind of like labor of love it was and also like you say just how much kind of creativity there is even in even in parts that don't necessarily work for me like every frame of it is full of ideas and full of creativity and whether or not they all land there's definitely something to be said for that yeah and, I, and they, they don't all land the majority of things in the film i wouldn't say land but i just i, I just i'm just amazed that it, that this film exists yeah i'm quite and, glad it, i'm quite glad it exists and i'm quite glad that i've seen it well, yeah go. yeah I, I agree there's a lot of little bits throughout the movie that have always stuck with me. So that's obviously there's got to be something creative or strange or just inspiring about those moments. Mm. And like you said, not that all of it works. You're right. It does scream a lot of creativity and a lot of ideas, even if it's kind of a scattershot and kind of a mess, you know? Yeah. Will you watch it again, Mitch? Maybe. Would you recommend people watch Nothing But Trouble? I wouldn't recommend it to everyone. Right. <laughs> I wouldn't uniformly recommend it to each and every one of my family and friends. Yeah, but yeah, I, 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 yeah, I know people who would get something out of this for sure. Yeah, uh, I kind of feel like this that. is probably because for years we've all been told that make films that like horror comedies you shouldn't make one because they don't make any money and nobody likes them. And this was probably one of the movies that stuck that in studios' minds so bad. <laughs> so it's yeah, probably man. probably why we've all been burdened with that idea. So. Well, I mean, this, yeah, this this made eight and a half million dollars against a budget of forty. There's a long-held rumor as well that Dan Aykroyd sent letters of apology to all the cast. Oh, really? Aww. Oh, that's kind of sad. Yeah, I feel bad. I think it. You know, it's like it's raw creativity. I mean, yeah. the worst crime in filmmaking is to make something that's boring. And that movie, every scene surprises me, even if, <laughs> even if, if it, it doesn't, doesn't land work. or work. Yeah, you know, that's it's so weird. And I just feel weird watching it. Like, even though I don't get drawn in because, like Chevy Chase, I always feel like I'm somehow in this weird world you know i think yeah. it really appealed to me as like a teenager because i think when you don't know how the world works totally and things you're kind of still figuring that stuff out it feels like a weird horror movie for yeah for teenagers and i think it makes me just a little sad to think like dan Aykroyd directed this one movie and he got such a negative response to it that he never directed again yeah which is a little unfair i kind of almost wish he would have kept going just because he does have some weird kooky sensibilities that you almost want to see what he might do with a script that works better, you know? Yeah, without like the studio interfering and without Chevy Chase. Yeah. <laughs> Some What's Dan Aykroyd's small little $5 million indie weird movie, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. And you also have to yeah. kind of imagine what it might have been if, uh, if Landis or someone or, or Ivan Reitman had picked it up 
and Hadran with it. Like, as, I mean, this is obviously the most pure distillation of what Dan Aykroyd, maybe not what he wanted to do, but what he was able yeah. to do. But it would have been interesting to see what Nothing But Trouble or Vulcanvania might have been in the hands of one of these filtered other guys. through somebody yeah yeah you would almost think maybe the script would have gotten more structured to work a little better and there probably <laughs> would have been you know there probably would have been like dan we're not dan uh chevy chase's character they probably would have been worried about hammering down an arc for him that works better and yeah. that might have been like one of the first things they would have done because i mean if i would have read it with the way it plays out i've been like this guy doesn't have enough going on for it or maybe it's just a performance i don't know yeah. <laughs> yeah. oh he's so. an asshole at the start and an asshole at the end yeah. right. exactly <laughs> well, the fact that so much of what you just said the qualifier was because yeah you know chevy chase <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> guys i want to take a sec before we finish up to talk about the wretched oh cool so uh this recently screened at fright fest were you guys over for it yeah, yeah. we came back it was our first time back there in like seven eight years or something yeah, like so, that yeah. it's the best festival since, in the world man so good so good <laughs> since deadheads yeah. yeah which i think was 20, yeah. 2012 i think 2012 we did come back a year later with a deadhead short that oh, we yeah, played there yeah, yeah yeah we literally made that just because we really wanted to come back to fright fest again yeah, so like, <laughs> let's make it short real fast so we can go back yeah <laughs> Yeah. yeah, but the the wretched. So I've, I've I have now seen it, and uh, I I think it's really good. I'm, I I really enjoyed it. Do you want to talk a little bit about uh, the ideas and kind of how you guys came up with it, how it came together? Yeah, yeah. It's um it's basically a story about a kid who it's a totally different from Deadheads. We just made a straight horror film this time. Um, it's about a teenager who basically comes to stay with his dad for the summer, and becomes convinced that his new neighbor next door is making her children disappear. And what kind of unravels is like a creepy witch folklore story about an ancient witch that lives in the woods. So it's uh, it's it's like uh, Drew and I were really inspired by, I guess, like Fright Night and Rear Window and right. a lot of those films just to kind of tell that paranoia story that involves a lot of, you know, you know, POV, people spying on next door and being convinced something strange is going on and nobody else believing them just because we were kind of. You know, we just wanted to try to try our hand at suspense and do something a little different than we did last time. Uh-huh. I mean, I, I I think that telling a folklore story through the kind of lenses of the films that you've talked about is something that I haven't, I personally haven't seen that much, and I I really like the way that it plays out. Oh, thank oh, you. Thanks, yeah, we just I think partially we we missed kind of folklore stories, but we also kind of missed creature features a little bit because we. Uh, we love practical effects. We love practical mm-hmm. effects, yeah. but we also just like every horror movie in the last few years feels like it's just kind of like a you know a ghost or a haunted object or something <laughs> like that. Which I I like those type of stories when they work, of course. But I kind of missed you know I missed it when I could know there was a supernatural creature involved that had kind of tangibility that you could see it and touch it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Just, we we just yeah. fell in love with all this different like these different witch mythologies and thought it'd be cool to cobble together sort of our own version. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we did a bunch of research into like black Annie and the boo hag and the Baba Yaga and all these ones. And there was, there were some common elements that ran between all those myths and we kind of just picked and choose the parts we liked and kind of created the one that worked best for our story. So it was kind of like our attempt to kind of own the witch as a, as a creature slash, supernatural threat mm-hmm. um right. and kind of build our own version of what that mythology was going to be you know if we got to make it yeah i mean i i think that the mythology that you land on is great 
I think I think it's really cool, and I think that like the, uh, I really like the way that the whole thing kind of the, the whole, way the whole thing unfolds. And the, oh, I, thanks, thanks, yeah, I, I th- yeah, yeah. I think that having the kind of having the kind of protagonist being these kind of late teens, um, figuring out something like this feels like uh, that was something else that I kind of felt like I hadn't seen before. Yeah, well, we used to. In, it's a little bit of a thing in a weird way. We we get away from it more and more. Is we used to make films that featured teenagers or kids that were kind of scary because it kind of they felt very vulnerable you know they still make kids getting chased around by a slasher in the woods but they tend to feel more like they're in their 20s or you know they're actually in their early 30s playing 20 year olds you know but um um, i really missed how that makes a character feel super vulnerable and like possibly the supernatural threat or which could really really hurt him but also for our story is like you know like when you have somebody of that age it's easier to make them disreputable to adults so it gives you a better excuse for somebody to kind of spiral into not being able to get help because nobody believes you because you're kind of a you know you're a teenager who's kind of going through his middle years and you're not always 100 percent trustworthy you know <laughs> so. yeah I, I think that the way that uh yeah you kind of see his side of the story kind of coming across as kind of like really lacking in credibility and stuff like that's kind of cool because i think that the kind of obvious or fashionable thing to have done would have made this would have been to make this a little bit more kids on bikesy with younger protagonists <laughs> yeah, um, yeah we've yeah. kind of seen that so much lately with the, yes with i agree the, yeah <laughs> yeah i mean we realized like there are some like there's some things that just are obviously things that drew and i love helped inspire the movie they're obviously from the 80s a little bit but we were like I don't want to make a throwback movie. I, I don't want to make it for nostalgia shit's sake. I just want to make a movie that I want to see. So we like, even when it kind of came to the point with the decision of, you know, earlier on, you, you, you always have these talks as making horror movies. And I was like, do we want to make it take place before the internet and cell phones? Cause that makes horror scares and things easier. Cause nobody can kind of call for help or figure things yeah. out. And we just said, Nope, there's going to be cell phones and there's going to be the internet. It's just, they're not going to help that much because just because you have those things doesn't mean that like it's going to solve all your problems, you know? So yeah. it was, yeah, yeah. you know, it was a conscious effort to kind of like set it in modern day and like, but also try to make it, I mean, I think the best horror movies in a weird way feel kind of timeless. Like it really doesn't matter when they take place, despite whatever technology or markers you see. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's, it's like what I love about Halloween when I watch just the like nothing Halloween. but trouble, just like nothing. But trouble. <laughs> 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 yes. Just, we we have our deleted uh, our, our deleted uh, musical performance out of the wretched that takes place right before the last act. So. Ah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. sure. Yeah, if yeah. only we could have worked in Bone Chiller. Or- <laughs> 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 um, do we do we know anything about release or anything for this yet? Uh, not yet. I think we probably really soon. Yes, we'll have some sort of news on that in hopefully soon. But yeah, we just got soon. a sales agent, so it's kind of just yes, coming it's, in. It's, but we're still doing a bunch of film festivals, and so far the response is very, very good, which makes us happy and stuff. So hopefully, uh, hopefully we'll have some good news soon. Cool. And um, <laughs> so it's, it's, it sounds like a lot of good news incoming. Where can people keep up with you on social media and things if they want to keep an eye on this? Um, the best is probably my Instagram. I'm at Jack Star Grundy, which isn't my name, but that's where you can find me. You can find me by my name. Oh, and uh, the Wretched movie at the Wretched movie on Instagram. Those are probably two places we post the most. We're just uh, Twitter bores the crap out of us, and uh, yeah, you can find us on Facebook too. We're on there posting stuff all the time. Cool. Excellent. Uh, guys, this has been an absolute blast. Yeah, guys, thank oh, you thanks, so much. Guys. And uh, yeah, yeah, I thanks, 
<laughs> this I is fun for us. I can't thank you enough for uh, making me revisit Nothing But Trouble. Oh, yeah. No, thank you, guys. I'm just so glad that when I mentioned it, you guys just weren't like, no, we're not doing that one. Yeah, but <laughs> we got to introduce it to you. You may never have seen this movie. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. No, we, Someday Dan Aykroyd's going to catch this podcast and it's going to make him so happy. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Ah, he's yeah. fine. He's absolutely fine. He's up to his eyes in big vodka dollars and uh, he's got his eyes on the stars. He's a, a UFOlogist now. Oh, really? Really? Oh, yeah. He's he's like one of the... He's like one of the top kind of names in kind of UFOlogy. And of course, he's the, the man behind Crystal Head Vodka, although other vodkas are available. <laughs> I had no idea. That's, That's really right. cool. <laughs> <laughs> guys, thanks so much. All right. Thank thanks, you, guys. guys. Thank you. Well, Mitch, that was great fun. It really was, wasn't it? Yeah, we took a gamble. We went down the road, and what did we find? Nothing but trouble. Nothing but trouble. Yep, that's it. Yeah. Big thank you to Brett and Drew Pierce, the co-writers and directors of both Deadheads and The Wretched, talking nothing but trouble with us tonight. <laughs> that was an experience. I, I, I liked watching you watch that. I'm sure you did. I'm yeah. sure you did. I, started, I think that for as much as I, I came out a little bit cold on the film, I definitely had a better time with it than I did with Resident Evil. So... <laughs> But with that, I suppose we're out for another one. Yeah, we are, man. Um, yeah. However, no rest for the wicked. We are back Monday with Minisode 71. Sure thing, yes, we sure are. Uh, so we will be taking a look at what we've been watching, my progress through the Shockwaves 100. We will be taking a look at your feedback. We will be seeing if you guys can top the best week in history of Mitch's pitches last week. Holy shit, that was sensational. Uh, the amount of tweets we've had from people just going, best Mitch's pitches yet. Best Mitch's pitches ever. Yeah, which, as ever, as to this tradition, had nothing to do with me or my pitch and by the way i'm not privy to a lot of stuff that goes on on facebook but i do see some of the pitches that come in on twitter and things like uh-huh. that um and so far i'm seeing this shaping up to be quite a strong week as well it's not a bad week so far yeah not bad not bad at all Cut a couple of real crackers in there so far which is surprising given the simple nature of the picture the simple nature of the picture yeah, yeah, yeah. but that's for monday uh, as yeah sorry yeah. i'm getting ahead of myself mitch i'm too excited this is it exactly and uh, yeah you do still have a little bit of time if you want to get in touch with us before then loads of ways you can do that facebook and instagram are strong language violent scenes you can tweet us as well at strong violent pc and you can email longer considerations uh listener choice suggestions musical interlude suggestions <laughs> mitch's pitches image suggestions and much more to strong language violent scenes at gmail.com all of this in a vain attempt to clog up our inbox yeah get it clogged feel like our inbox is doing something exactly get it um, clogged and um, we also have a website now <laughs> <laughs> I like that that's now the, ta- the final tag on after the email address, but we do. You're right. Yeah, strongviolentpod.com. Yeah, and everything's there if you want to find out our socials. If you've just listened to the bit that Mitch did and realised I-, I didn't catch any of that. Yeah, like if you, if you don't listen to anything that I say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you just tune out that guy. Uh, <laughs> all the social media links are at the bottom and we have a contact us form. So really, saying the email address is kind of pointless <laughs> <laughs> we also have links to our tea public where you can go on and find a bunch of ridiculous designs some of which have mitch's face on uh, yeah yeah um, on yeah. a hot pink background yeah rather like, <laughs> like i said rather than us doing the kind of traditional logo tea we've done some very obscure jokes from very old episodes of this show and there are more to come by the way i'm working on a few other ideas oh really okay uh, yeah and also crucially you can find a non-exhaustive list of all of the podcast providers where we can be found and we can be found on many of them almost we- all of them at this point but i would always suggest going and checking out podbean because they are our home our hosts our heroes 
um, they hold us in their strong arms and yep. make us feel safe and secure and crucially get our episodes out on time. Or and get eggs. And if you are liking what you're hearing on whatever platform you're using, we would appreciate a great deal if you would take a second to like, subscribe, share, leave a review, all that kind of thing. We have it on reasonable authority that it does make a difference. Yeah, and what we would also appreciate is if you know anyone out there who they don't even need to be a horror fan, but you think that might like this nonsense, please tell them, tweet them. Just say, why don't you go and check out these two pricks? Yeah, exactly. And on that note, a big thank you to everybody for listening this week. As always, it would be fairly pointless if we were doing this and you weren't. Yeah, yeah. Or if, I mean, it would just be us talking, which we did for a long time before we put mics in front of us, and that wasn't so good. (laughs) (laughs) And I got nothing out of that. Uh, Now, we will be back on Monday, as always, and this is normally the part of the show where you would normally dispense some information about avoidance of chuds and heroic actions in the face of chuds. Are you going to upend the norm? (laughs) We are going to upend the norm, subvert the expectations, and what we're going to do is we're going to leave you on a musical number. Oh, okay. Yeah, we're going to leave you on Mr. Bone Stripper by the damn Yankees. Bye-bye. Bye, love you.
You've been listening to Strong Language and Violent Scenes with Andy Stewart and Mitch Bain. Strong Language and Violent Scenes theme by Mitch Bain. Production and artwork by Andy Stewart. Find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts and Podbean.